Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. We are Vicky B and Sammy Z, two cousins creating a space for women to laugh, grow, and stumble through their 20s. This community is all about embracing your inner weirdo while manifesting that boss ass babe you know you are. Grab a drink and get ready for lots of laughs, honest chats, and authentic advice every Thursday. Like, subscribe, and leave a review. And don't forget, to follow us on Instagram at Stumbling Along. And here's this week's episode of Stumbling Along with Vicky B and Sammy Z. Welcome back to Stumbling Along with Vicky B and Sammy Z. I am so excited for this week's episode. Me too. As you know, Sam and I are not good at math, so we needed some money help. And as you knew from our manifesting episode, uh, me and Vicky B really want to become financially literate. So we have brought a very special guest today onto the podcast. We have the Money Fox with us today, aka Francesca. She is a money coach. She also is from the southwest of England, where she lives with her partner and her daughter. So she's all about helping women use their money to create the life that they want. And she became a money coach through her own struggles. Um, After she had her daughter, she didn't go back to work because she didn't really have a pull to it. And, you know, childcare is expensive. So she she got into debt and went through a really rough time, as we all do. And you know what? I feel like when you are broke you kind of that's when you kind of learn how to properly budget. I feel like when I was broke in Ottawa, I actually paid more attention to my money than when I did when I had like student loans coming in and had a part like had more money. Definitely. So through her struggles, she decided to share her journey, her money journey. And um, because of her struggles, she picked up a lot of jobs, part-time jobs like dog boarding so she like babysat dogs and through the money she was making she just stayed really focused and made goals and saving goals and paid off her debt and bought a house and got on top of it and really empowered herself through that and wanted to empower other women to do the same we found her story to be super inspiring and vicky b and i both as well as all of our stumblers felt that we needed some financial literacy in our lives to kind of become empowered in the money we have we're getting Um, in the future. So on this week's episode, we really talk about the money mindset. We talk about um, how to budget our money, as well as kind of dive into the beginnings of investing as a 20-something-year-old. Yes. I swear to God, while I was editing this episode, I pulled up, I started making an Excel sheet to budget. So you guys are going to love it. We are so excited. And with that, I'm going to say the words today, roll the tape. Hi, Francesca. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited. We're so excited to talk about money. Yeah, money is the one thing that me and Vicky B both feel like we struggle with. And this year, our mindset is to switch into some financial literacy. And we know that you are the perfect woman to talk to you about this today. Oh, I hope so. I'll do my best. And if you're not following her already, you need to follow her. She's at the Money Fox on Instagram because she posts the best tips and quotes um, to help you shift your mindset. Thank you. It's the dot Money Fox. Dot um, Money Fox. Yeah, someone else already stole the other one. 
Rude. I hate that. <laughs> I hate when that happens. We had to add like another S into our handle and to stumbling along because someone else already had it. That's so Classic. rude. You think you have such a good idea and then it turns out that lots of other people have had that good idea as well. Yeah. It's like shattering. <laughs> Growing up, I've always had this stigma around talking about money, expressing your wage, expressing your debt. It's it's always been something that's been told to be kind of behind closed doors. Um, and I feel like with your, po- with your um, Instagram, it's kind of opening that. So why do you think that like stigma and mindset around money is still around and happening? I think if we're honest with ourselves, money can equal success. So if you are successful, a lot of people will have a lot of money. It kind of comes hand in hand. So then if you feel like you don't have a lot of money, you feel like you're not as successful. And then I think a lot of shame comes into that. And then if you're also trying to look more successful, that's when you can end up spending a bit beyond your means and that's where it can be dangerous as well. Instagram, like influencers and stuff, because you don't know how much debt they're in. They could be in so much debt for the lifestyle that they're showing. And then everyone's trying to get that as well. And they can't actually afford it. But I think, yeah, I think a lot of it is we view money as success. So the more money you have, the more successful you are. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be successful or wanting to have money. But if you haven't got it, that's when people don't want to talk about it, I feel. I think I think people who are earning a lot of money are pretty happy to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of that quote you posted the other day, don't go broke trying to be successful. Because if you, a lot of people just, you know, spend like they have all the money because they want to seem like they're successful or believe they are wealthy quotations. Um, and I think that applies to us in our young 20s. Like I remember in university, like I would never say no to going out or whatever. And just because like I wanted I wanted to be there and I wanted to be there with my friends. But then after I'd be like, oh, like I can't afford to do this all the time. Like why am I doing this? Only because I don't want to miss out. And I like want to seem like I can do all these things, right? So yeah. I think it's... it's a concept that like really affects us especially in our 20s and we're trying to kind of find confidence and like financial security but still like seize our 20s yeah I think FOMO and like YOLO are actually quite dangerous for that kind of thing and I think it just it definitely needs to be a balance but that's when people need to realize that you don't need to miss out but it doesn't mean that you have to do every single thing if you can't afford to do it because you've you've got to live within your means basically Mm-hmm. And it's stressful if you like just keep doing it, especially like I know my mindset in university was like, I'm not even going to look at my bank account. Like, I don't want to know what I'm spending, which is super bad. But I was just like super ignorant to it because I just didn't want to know because I knew I didn't have a lot of money. I was a broke university student and I was spending all my money going out and I wanted to do that, but didn't want to see it happen in my bank account. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that as well, don't want to look. And then that's when it can become a bit dangerous and get a bit out of control. So I definitely always talk about checking your bank account balance and tracking your expenses and stuff like that. And it's not to feel bad about it in any way. It's just to make sure that you're spending within what you can afford to spend. Yeah, I've when I started doing that more, I've, I realized that it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Like by keeping track of how much you spend, you can actually like feel comfortable and not worry so much about what you're spending because you know what's happening. Yeah. The unknown is so scary, especially with money. I know for myself, I like will never, like, I kind of follow with Vicky B and I never checked my bank account. I just assumed that like, the money would show up even though like 
it's not coming unless I'm bringing it in. Um, and when we were, me and Vicky B did a poll on our Instagram um, prior to you coming on, seeing where our stumblers were at with like money as well. And the main two kind of overwhelming like poll readings and topics where everyone needed some budget planning help. Um, and everybody was very interested in investing money and absolutely had no idea how. Um, and I feel like that's kind of where we're at in our in our age too, is we don't have money. So we need to figure out how to budget that. But then also we want to make a bunch. So it's just this weird balancing act, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like that happens throughout your whole life though, to be honest. Oh, lucky you. Um, Everyone wants to make more and we're all like, what do I do with what I've got? But yeah, I think it happens at every point. Before we jump into budgeting and investing, Sam and I wanted to know some mindset mindset tips um, because I feel like in order to, you know, start actually paying attention to your budget, your bank account and investing – you need to have like a good mindset. Like we we were saying, we ignored everything that was happening in our bank account. Red flag <laughs> number one. <laughs> yeah. But you also, I feel like a lot of people you hear, like everyone says like, oh, that's so expensive. I'll never be able to do that. And has like that, they restrict themselves without even like trying to budget or save. So like, how do you get into a better mindset? So you actually budget. So you look at your bank account. And so like, you feel confident to invest. Yeah, I feel like following people that are doing as you want to do and are really positive about money can be have like such a massive influence on you. But also with that, I would say it's really important to un- unfollow anyone that makes you feel bad or makes you feel like you have to spend because I feel like, for I, th- I swear I could speak for the majority of us where we all get influenced by people negatively when we see them doing really well. I personally can't follow certain accounts on Instagram. So I can't follow any um, fashion accounts, beauty, kids' bedrooms, because they trigger me. So I feel like finding out what your triggers are are really important. And like you said, it's all about being positive mindset. But we want to avoid anything that makes us go into a bit of a negative mindset. So I had this thing happen not long ago, and I spoke about it, where I was on the... um, what's it called like the homepage thing of Instagram not the homepage explore the newsfeed yeah and there was this girl on there and I clicked on it and I went down a bit of a rabbit hole and she had what looked like such a perfect life and it genuinely looks like a perfect life and I ended up I went after that I went onto my Facebook and I had an ad for my favorite clothes company so I clicked on that and this was kind of like it's funny to look at now like the progression of what was happening And then I was on that and I was thinking, oh, maybe I can look for some clothes that she had on. And then um, I realized what I was doing and I stopped myself. But I think all, all with money, it's really important to look at what your triggers are, look at what makes you feel bad. And if you can avoid that and put things in place to make you feel better, it really does help. Now, I'm trying to think of how best to do this practically, like to explain it so for me something I think is really important is tracking your expenses and this is where you just write down what you're spending every day the reason to do that is not just for the numbers it's so you can look at it and say okay why did I spend that on that day and it's not to make yourself feel bad and that's something that's really important none of it's to make you feel bad or guilty you say oh I bought that because I was really bored and I just ended up going on my phone or maybe I had a really bad day because like my boss was really mean to me or something And identifying those kind of things is really important because we all have certain triggers. 
that you need to figure out what you can do instead. So maybe you want to go out for a walk or maybe you want to ring your friend and have like a nice chat with them instead. So that's a, that's where I would start initially in terms of making changes of like your money psychology, just figuring out what is it that triggers you to spend in a way that you're not actually happy with, but you've been overwhelmed by the emotions in the moment because we all do it. Mm -hmm. all of us yeah and speaking of instagram and like unfollowing those accounts how do you do it when it's like your friends or family who you're trying to keep up with but can't financially i would really take a look at if they're good friends to have um that might sound brutal but i feel like as you go through your life you do um change your friendship groups and they do say that, I think, what is it, the quote? I think it's the five people you spend most time with are the ones that will affect your life the most. So basically, you want to be around people that make you feel really good and that inspire you, but don't make you feel bad in any way. But also, what they're doing is is not necessarily bad. Just because they're doing well doesn't mean that you need to feel bad about it. It's a good thing. Maybe you want to speak to them and say, like, oh, can you give me some advice on how to do similar. I don't necessarily think you have to cut them off completely, but you do need to look at if you actually benefit from being friends with them. That's true. And if you do set those financial boundaries for their, your, for yourself and they're the ones like pressuring you to do that, like to go further, then that's like, like you said, when you realize that maybe they're not the best friends for you. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you're say if they say, oh, do you want to come out? And you say, oh, I can't actually afford it right now. And they're still trying to push you. That's them pushing a boundary, like you said, that you've tried to put up. So that's more of a problem with them than it is you. So that's something you re- really want to look at. And just speak to them. You don't have to be like aggressive about it or anything. Just right. say, oh, th- this isn't very helpful for what I'm trying to do. And just explain it and be honest. Mm-hmm. Love that advice. I wish like... I just wish I knew this in university. I don't know if it would have changed anything, but I feel like I would just like be more prepared to like be able to say no and do it with confidence because, you know, finance, like it was such a finance is just such a stigma growing up. Yeah. And I feel like in university, especially, um, we go into it just super naive and there's all these other external pressures that university has and we just kind of go with the flow and do what we have to do or what we think we have to do to kind of fit in and enjoy ourselves. But I think now coming out of it, we're looking back and we're like, that was an amazing time, but did I need to like bring my credit card with me to take out that extra like $60 or 60 pounds? I should have just brought cash or just like little things that you just like should have done that didn't. Or, oh, my God, even like after, you know, when you start a job after university or like in your 20s and you feel like you need to go out for drinks all the time or go out with your coworkers or like network and stuff and feel like you always have to like buy drinks or buy coffees for people when you're like super broke and can like barely have a living salary when you're in your when you're just starting your career. Just. Yeah, there's something I say to my daughters. I've got a daughter and um. I feel like this is relevant. I just thought of it now. But I always say to her, if you don't, because we're doing homeschooling right now, obviously with COVID. Um, if I always say to her, if you don't understand a question and you don't know the answer, you have to ask the teacher. Now, that sounds really obvious, but it's one of those things where you don't really want to put your hand up and say, I don't understand. If everyone else seems to understand, 
And I always say to her, if you don't understand, no one else is going to take the exam or the test for you. You have to know, and it doesn't matter if everyone else knows, it doesn't matter what they say, you're the one that needs to understand. So this is, I think it's a similar sort of thing that just because other people are going out and spending all the money at uni, for example, that doesn't mean that you need to also do the exact same because they might have more money coming in from maybe like their parents, they may have a job, your situation's different. And also, even if they don't have any of that and they're getting into debt, that doesn't mean that you should be getting into debt as well. You kind of need to think about yourself and your life. So going off that, I would love to kind of, taking all that mindset and psychology advice, I would love to kind of start this off and ask you, why do you think budget planning is so important and budgeting is so important, especially for us 20-somethings just kind of entering the career world? I think everyone should be doing it, even no matter how old you are, if you're really rich or if you're not. Um, I think it's really important because you need to have a plan. We all have goals and our goals usually involve money, even if we don't want to admit that. If you want to go traveling, that's money. You want to buy a house, that's money. You want to relocate money all these things are money even if you want to have kids money um so it's all wrapped up in everything so we have goals and we need to know how we're going to use our money to reach those goals so with a lot of people we have a set income even if that fluctuates let's just say you have a job and you have the same amount coming in each month you want to be able to pay your bills you want to have some fun and you also want to reach some goals so what you What budgeting is really is trying to figure out how to do all of those things within the income that you have. And that's seriously it, because what we try to do otherwise is we try to probably go a bit too crazy on having fun, forget about our goals, get really frustrated we're not reaching our goals, try and put more money in our goals. And it all kind of goes back and forth and it doesn't really work. And it's all about giving yourself less stress because you have a plan. I don't know about you guys, but I love planning because I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm more in control and I can see how I'm going to get there. So if you say I want to buy a house in the next five years and I say, well, how much you spent like saving towards that and you have no idea, that's not very good goal, but you can use your budget to figure out how much you need, how much you can put away and still be able to do all of the other things. Amazing. Yes. I'm a planner. I love planning, but my budget doesn't fully match up with my planning. (laughs) Yeah, that's something to work on. (laughs) Yeah, which you're going to help us with today. So shall we move on to how to budget? We need to know right from the beginning. We are, we have no clue. I need to know right from the beginning as a beginner, how do you budget? What do you do? (laughs) Or do you, do you guys budget at all now? I'd be interested to know. I do. Yes, I just started a new job. So I feel like I have more of the ability to budget because I have an inc- like a steady income, but I do like I have a like a travel goal, so I know like how much I want to save to that for a year, and um, that's pretty much it. Like I ca- I feel like I can't pay attention to more than one goal, like one saving goal. That's okay. So I, I always know- say one goal is best. When I see people with like twenty goals, I'm like, oh my god, I can't cope with that. Please pick one. Yeah, <laughs> for me, I literally have never budgeted in my life it's always it's been really bad and this year I've deemed like my financial literacy year so 
all of January, I've just been documenting doing, as you said, it's my first time doing it, but I've actually stuck to writing down every single thing I've bought in this year so far. Um, and then I guess come February 1st, I'm going to go through and put the first steps in to see where all my money's actually going. But I'm quite similar to Vicky B in the way that I've never had a steady job. It's been part-time jobs through school or um, contracted jobs. So I've never had that steady income that I always would be like, oh, once I have that, then I'll start budgeting. Um, so I definitely beginner as can be Francesca (laughs) that's okay that's good I'm happy to help so just to start with to say that when you have more of like a variable income that doesn't mean you can't for anyone listening that doesn't mean you can't budget because you still have bills you still have things to pay for and you're going to be using your income for that so there's money going in and out anyway it's just about making sure that you're on top of it all Um, so if you have a variable budget, what I usually would recommend is looking at what the least amount of income you would be getting in would be and working off that, because if you're working off a number that you're not going to get, then that's not going to help you at all. You need to begin off the minimum. And then if you have any extra, then you can put it towards, you know, your goals or going out a bit more and stuff like that. But picking the minimum amount is the best way to go for if it's variable. But when you have a steady income, so what I would start with is I'd start with writing down what I call um, fixed expenses. So the things that don't change, that could be like your rent, um, your electric, things like that. Things that are the same every single month. That's the easiest part of budgeting because it's usually on your bank. You can just go in and see how much it's going to be. They don't change. That's not where people have the problem. The problem is generally the variable expenses, the things that do change. And these are more based on what's going on in our lives, our emotions. So things like food. Food is probably the biggest problem that people have with their budget. And there's you can you can buy whatever food you want. You just need to make sure that you have a plan and you're not going to be cutting into anything else. So when it comes to figuring out the variable expenses, that's when the expense tracking will come in. So you've been writing down all of your spending What you need to do now, and you can do this for February, is add it all up and see what budget categories you have. So you might have one for food, you might have one for travel, um, not travel, like as in, what's the word, commuting, like that kind of thing, like going to work and stuff like that, Um, petrol, gas, not sure what you call it, Um, that kind of thing. Add it all up and put it in little budget categories and use that as your budget for February because you've spent it because what a lot of people do is they guess the numbers you'd be surprised how often this happens someone says I'm really they'll message me and they say I'm really struggling with my food budget and I'll say well how much are you and I say I had someone the other day message me I hope she doesn't mind me saying I won't say who it was but she said I've been budgeting 80 pounds a week on my food budget and um but I've been going over and I said well how much have you actually been spending when you go and add it up and it was something like 150 a week and she was getting really frustrated that she couldn't stick to the 80 and I was like well you're not going to if you're spending 150 you're not going to spend 80 and you're going to feel bad because you feel like you've overspent but really what she should have been doing is budgeting the 150 right that is what I would recommend to do now that doesn't mean that if you look at your expenses and you think, oh my gosh, I've spent so much in this category and you're not happy with it, you can obviously make changes, but it's not, it's just about not picking out a random number, not going, okay, well, I'm gonna slash that by a hundred. That's just not realistic. So the best way to have a realistic budget is to work off what you've actually been spending. 
And like I said, you can always cut that down, but then look at what other things you need to spend. So if you want to save for travel, stuff like that, or going out, um, then I would work off that based off your income, but also look at things like setting up an emergency fund. Because what we want to avoid is going into debt or just taking a step back in any way. So if something came up, like if your car broke down, the last thing you want to do is have to put that on a credit card or something. You want to have the money there available. And that's something else I think is really good to put into your budget. Also, I ran out of breath. <laughs> We're going to... Um, All the knowledge. Also, sinking. Have you heard of sinking funds? No. No. So a sinking fund is where, say, for example, Christmas, say for Christmas this year, you're like, okay, I want to spend $200 or whatever amount it is, 800, whatever is right for you. Then you say, okay, there's, I want to get that in November. So say there's like 10 months left to go. You would just divide that by 10. And that's how much you need to save each month in order to reach that goal. That sounds really obvious, but what generally happens is we get to something like Christmas and we think, okay, now I have $800 to pay out. Where's that going to come from? And that's where all the stress and stuff comes. And you can do this for so many things. You can do this. So I do it for my car insurance because I pay for the year up front. I don't know how you guys do it in Canada, but um, so I save each month towards my car insurance so then I can pay it annually. And I also do it for my daughter's birthday, for Christmas and things like that. So yeah, like I said, you just figure out the amount and you can look back at previous spending again, like if it's something like Christmas, figure out how much you spent, divide it by the months and then save that amount per month. And it's just it's just to help you be less stressed, basically. I never even thought about like saving for Christmas. You're so right. You just like get to Christmas time. And you're like, oh, shit, where is this money coming from? But yeah. you can actually <laughs> you can actually budget set a bit aside. Yes. So budgeting, I, f- I find it as more of like, I do it as more of a financial plan. So like a budget, we tend to think of it's just our bills, but it's actually just planning in everything we're going to spend in advance to make things so much easier for us and also spending on our goals as well. But something I do, I have my own budgeting method that I started doing when I started earning extra money on the side. When I started earning any extra money on the side, I threw all of that at that particular goal that I had because that meant I didn't have to cut into my budget because what I was finding before doing that was I was trying to cut into my budget and then I was making myself miserable because I wasn't going out as much and things like that every extra bit I earned would go on that goal and it also motivated me to try and earn more money and it made all my goals happen so quickly so I did that when I paid off my debt when I um took my daughter on holiday for the first time I got a laser eye surgery in my bank account, like, because when you talk about budgeting and you're like um, kind of categorizing and putting things into different categories, I my mind kind of goes to my bank account and how I only have like a savings and a checkings. And then I think like, are you putting, is it all budgeted on paper or like on a computer, but all the money in, in itself is still in like one category. And like, it kind of overwhelms me to think that like you'll be pulling from kind of the same spot. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, so- yeah, yeah. So, but here in England, we have a bank that you can split it all up in. So that's really helpful. But um, if you didn't have that, then yes, you would put it all in one place. So my bank, I have, well, I have two banks because I have a personal and a business. But in my personal, yeah, it's all there in a lump and I categorize it in paper. So you can also do basically, so like in my budget planner on my expense tracking sheet, 
was actually a column where you can write out how much is coming out of your account and how much is left in it if you want to. Um, so yeah, so say for example, it was $1,000 in your bank and then you'd on paper you're writing food, 300 or something then you know it's in there if that makes sense yeah definitely but if you 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 could also track it separately so you could write down if you really wanted if it's if it was too overwhelming for you food 300 and then oh I spent 10 pounds so I 10 dollars so I've got 290 left and then go through like that so you can see it all in there if that definitely yeah I guess it all goes back down to budgeting whatever like make sense to you because I know I'm very visual so I like to see the kind of breakdown of it all um Sam I, I was too. I was able to separate my savings accounts into different categories oh, were you so I can I can visually see because I'm I also like doing that just seeing like making sure it's separate and like prevents you from going into it um so I have different like tabs but I know also people like who do open up like a separate bank account at another bank that doesn't have like huge fees or anything where they like just put the money so that's good for people who like do tend to dip into their savings a lot too something else that some people find really helpful is to have a bank account just for paying the bills and then another bank account for variables so what you could have is you could have um, all your income coming into one and then automatically setting it up to go or the bill one straight into the other account and the bills solely come out of that one Okay. So then you're left with all your variable variable expenses, which are things like your food and going out and stuff like that. That's super mm-hmm. helpful. I like that. Yeah. So you mentioned how for yourself you prefer just kind of focusing on one one main goal and saving up to that. We actually had a question where someone asked, "How do you? What are some strategies for saving up for multiple things at the same time? For instance, like travel and like education." I think it really depends on your when you want to do these things. So you might one of them might be in a year, one of them might be in two years or something. So for me, it's just figuring out the numbers. So what is your number for traveling? Work that out. And I know some people just want to throw a number out there, but for me, I feel I feel like it's better to be more specific and figure out okay, how much are generally, do you like be general? How much are generally flights here? How much do I think this will be? But then you have a rough number because you might be way, way off. And the last thing you want is to come to travel and you don't have enough to do what you want to do. So I would sit down and I'd, I'd work out roughly how much I think it will be. So like I said, like do flights, do food, hotels, stuff like that. And like I said, just be really general. You don't have to be like, right. go and search what they, what hotel it is on that exact date. Like that would just be a bit too much, I think. Um, but g- figure it out generally. And then how long have you got to save that? And do, do both with both goals. And then you just need to figure out how much you need to save each month in order to do those things. And it will also help because you might find that you don't actually have enough to do it and then that might be where you think okay I need to get some extra income coming in or perhaps I need to cut back in my budget in some other way in order to reach my goal so for me it's just figuring out the numbers and making a plan around those numbers but I definitely think you can do more than one goal at once because most people most people do want to do that but yeah you can definitely do both just figure out the numbers and make a plan that I would say so to summarize it's just like you figure out when you want to do it. So how many years, how many months, you figure out how much you need realistically. So like do your research, yeah. um, see flight, see how much you'd spend, how like hotels are like, and then break it down, do your math, 
and figure out how much you need to save like each paycheck and to get to that goal when you want to do it. That was way more succinct than I said it. Yes. It sounds so obvious and basic, but you'll find that people don't. They'll just say, oh, I just got, I'm going to save as much as I can, or I'm just going to save this and it'll be fine. And I just feel like that's kind of setting yourself up to fail. Because like I said, if you've got a certain amount that you're being paid and you've got a certain amount you can save, then you can figure out how much it's going to be. I feel like it's just like so avoided that it just seems like it, I don't know, it's just made out to seem that it isn't as simple as you've like, as you've made it seem like my entire life, I was just like, wow, money is so complicated. Yeah. But you like really break it down. You're like, it's not. You just need to sit down and plan and work it out. Do the math. Like I hate maths. Sorry, we call it maths, not math. (laughs) I'm going to call it maths. Sorry. I hate maths. I love it. And I hate numbers, but I have a calculator. So that's all you need. Um, just work it out and and it doesn't need to be super complicated you don't need to do any formulas or anything like that it's just figuring out how long you've got how much you need to spend and it really is that simple Mm -hmm. we're the same too we're we both suck at math I guess it's even more overwhelming for us too (laughs) it seems that way but like I said you just as long as you've got a calculator then you're fine if you had to work it all out on your head that might be more of an issue I certainly couldn't I'd be way off if I had to figure stuff out in my head but yeah if you've got a calculator you'll be fine we're lucky enough to have calculators now, so we should all just just use it. Just use yeah. the calculator. And they're on our phones. That's literally no excuse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so now that we know how to budget and save for our goals, how if we realize like we're not we don't have enough money to save for th- those goals or to pay off debt, how do we how do you make more money? What do you do? Like how do you trim things down but realistically like how how do you pay off debt save and afford your life is basically I guess what I'm asking I think debt is a really important one to focus on because the interest rates can be so high so even if you're saving and and you're maybe not earning any interest on that saving or a tiny amount you know say if you've got like one percent interest on your savings and you've got like 20 percent of debt it's just not going to be beneficial to you but what I would say is when you have debt, the, you want to avoid getting into more. So that's where put, having something in savings, for example, is really helpful. And going back to the emergency fund I said about, the last thing you want to be doing is throwing all your money at debt and then your car breaks down and then you haven't got any money. So you have to put it back on debt. That's tends to happen. That's what tends to happen to people. They get into a bit of a cycle. So saving in the first instance is really important. And have, the amount that you want to save for that is really a personal decision. You might want to save a month's worth of wages you might want to save a thousand dollars I think with the coronavirus people are wanting to save more because we've realized that things can really go quite badly quite quickly mm-hmm. but with um debt so what I did like I mentioned is I started earning extra income and I threw all of that money at my debt and then that made things go much much quicker but if you want to cut back in your budget that's where you go through your spending and see what happens see if there's anything that you were spending that you really didn't actually want maybe you just bought it because someone influenced you to buy it or maybe you were feeling a bit hungry so you bought loads of takeaways um and you know all these kind of things just figuring out what's going on and whether you can maybe set yourself up for success a bit better um just by small things like maybe you want to um meal plan and prep your meals mm. to take 
to work the next day like really small things like that can just really help you be more successful and save money so I would just say go through your budget figure out if there's anything you think you can cut back on but still enjoy yourself I'm not about cutting back so much that you're miserable because I've done that <laughs> and it was horrible and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone still have fun don't feel guilty about it but in terms of earning extra, it really depends on your skill sets, really. If you are in school still, you could maybe do tutoring if you're good in a particular area. You could do um, bartending, dog sitting. There's so many things you can do. And there's loads of um, online things you can do, like surveys and things like that. There's, there's so many things you can do, basically. It depends on how much time you have, what your skills are, if you've got any money, all these kind of things. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So there's ways to make extra income that are easy to, like you said, surveys. But also, I found it interesting that you said that make sure you have enough money before you start paying off your debt. Because I feel like I was taught that like you have debt, pay it off. But I found myself like always really stressed because I wouldn't have enough money afterwards. I would be using it all to pay off my student loans. But then I was couldn't do anything. I didn't see anybody. And I was miserable because I felt so tied to my debt. And I feel like people do that with credit card debt. But I like how you said, make sure you do have like your emergency fund and you have money to live and have fun before like stressing yourself about debt. You can definitely go full on with your debt if that's what you feel is going to work best for you. But from what I've seen, people do that for a bit and then they kind of rebel and maybe slip back into old habits and have like a massive um, spending spree. And that's just, it, it didn't need to happen. If you were just having fun and letting yourself go out and do things here and there, you're still enjoying yourself, but you realize that actually your debt is a very important goal. And that will motivate you as well to do more with maybe earning extra money and things like that. Mm-hmm. In terms of debt and paying it off, so would you say make sure you have your emergency fund first? and then start paying off your student debt or your credit card debt? Uh, Yes, I would. But I would say to be careful with this because what you don't want to do is give yourself a really good excuse for not paying off the debt, which is, Mm. oh, actually, I need need 10 years worth of income in my emergency fund. You know, there's a way your brain will try and sabotage you a bit along the way. So I would just say, give yourself a realistic amount to set to go for so that could be um you know like I said before about your car breaking down how much realistically do you think you would need or if your fridge broke or something how much realistically do you think you'd need not some made-up number again but also um if you lost your job for example how much how long do you think it would take you to get another one be really realistic but also when I say a month's worth of salary I don't mean the full amount So I don't mean, um, if you lost your job, you're not still going to be going out with your friends every week. You're going to need to pay for your bills. So we call that a bare bones budget. So that's what's the minimum amount you would need in order to keep paying your bills and not lose your house and everything like that. That's the amount you go off. You don't go off the full amount with you going out all the time and all these crazy things that you want to do. So work out from that is what I would say. But Yes, I would say I would say do that first as as best as you can, but really be quite aggressive with the debt because the interest rates are huge. 
And then in terms of debt, if you have like your student loans and then you have credit card debt too, should you be prior to, prior to, prioritizing one or, over the other or working towards them both? And how, how do you do that? I think both is best, but there are different methods you can use. So you can attack the one with the highest interest rate first, because mathematically that will save you the most money over time. But you could go online and you can search for like debt calculators and it'll help you figure out how much you'd actually save because you think it would be a lot compared with the debt, different debt rates, but it's actually maybe not that much. Some people prefer to pick, say you had a lot of different loans and cards and things. You might have one that's $10,000. You might have one that's 100. It sometimes it makes more sense to get rid of the 100 one. And it's gone and you feel good you feel psychologically good because you're like oh yeah it's gone I see the progress if you were just attacking attacking the massive one you can't really see any progress so I think I think it is a personal decision that's probably not what people want to hear but you might also have like some people um owe money to like family members and that's the one that keeps them up at night and they're really stressed about that so they might want to do that one first so I would say kind of weigh it all up look at the maths Look at what actually stresses you out. If it's better to do the smaller one first, then do that. But there's no right or wrong, I would say. Whatever's going to work to help you pay off the debt, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. So don't be, like, scared of the high interest rates? I think I mean, you should be a bit scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> I mean, you want to get rid of them. But like I said, if you've got a massive one and then you've got a really small one, just get rid of the small one. Like, And then it's just gone. You don't have to worry right. about it. But I think the the high interest rate ones are going to hold you back a lot. So you do want to massively focus on those as well. But like I said, it's, it's personal opinions. I didn't realize, I feel like this talk on budget planning, I didn't realize how detached I was to like the reality of it all. And now when, the more we talk about budget planning and having to look, look back on your spending, it's very like reflective of yourself and you do have to become really like involved with yourself and it kind of is a scary thought to have to then like sit down with yourself and be like this is what happened this month (laughs) exactly and I always say it's not to make you feel guilty like going back for your expenses like please don't feel bad because whatever has happened has happened already all you want to do is figure out what you can maybe improve on going forward and it's just please don't feel bad about it but yeah like you said you have to be very reflective and think okay did I do that because I was having a bad day because of this boy was really mean to me or something like that it's kind of a bit like embarrassing but no one needs to know it's just you that's going to be sat down with yourself and just but just don't don't feel bad but the way that we spend money is based on how we feel so we want to make sure that we're doing things for the right reasons if we're doing things because we want to feel better about something that's not really the best thing for us and it's just about yeah, like you said, reflecting on it and thinking, was this a good idea or was it not? And I think it's super empowering. Like once you do like take the time to figure it out and you have a good hold of it, I think it's super empowering to be super aware of how much you can save and how much you're spending. And, and once you do have a plan and you're saving goal, then like I don't know, it motivates me. I'm like, oh, I want like, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to save this much more. I'm not going to do this. I, It's motivating and empowering. Yeah, you definitely are in more control when you know what's going on with your money and what you want to do rather than just kind of, we kind of tend to just float along at like everything's okay. But in the back of our minds, we know that it's probably not. 
you want to just feel at peace and not have that little voice at the back of your head saying we need to sort this out <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Awesome. Sam, do you have any more questions about like budgeting or should we move on to investing? I think it's time to definitely move on to investing now. Yes. Great. I am dying to know. We were talking about it a little bit before our call, but I am dying to know the one-on-one on investing for beginners. I guess, yeah. What I was asking you before is like, when can you start investing? Like how much money do you need to see a return? You can get a return straight away and you can start at any time. You can start when you're a child. Um, So, okay, so pensions are investments. So when your employer has a pension for you, they are investing that money for you. Um, So if you have a pension, you already are investing. And this is where people think, when people say, oh, I'm really scared to invest. And I say, do you have a pension? And they say, yes. And I said, well, you are actually already investing. Um, And they don't realize that because it's more hands-off because the employer is doing it. Basically, you get taxed differently with pensions and investments. So the be- one of the best places to start is with your pension. Also, if you don't have a workplace pension, you can set up your own private pension. Because I'm self-employed, I have my own pension. Um, so I use, I won't see the company, it's like an advertisement. <laughs> um, but I use the company and I can set, I can choose how much I want to put in. And then the government puts in a top up automatically as well. So I can actually see how much is in my pension pot. Um, and like I said, that's investment. So I have to choose what I want to invest in. But it's not when people think of investing, they think of like individual stocks. They just have, give you different plans and you pick the best plan. Like, for example, you can invest ethically um, and do that within your pension as well. So if you want to do that, then you can choose that one and then they do it for you, if that makes sense. And you pay like a small fee for that. Um, but with investing in general, like I said, you can invest at any age you can open up things for children in order for them to invest and there are some platforms out there you can start with a dollar but you're obviously not going to make a lot of money off a dollar but for me I think the habit of getting started is the most important thing so if you can only invest a dollar I would do it because it's something that we all kind of hesitate over I think and let time go by but the more time that goes by the more money you make because it, it compounds so the sooner you can start, the better, basically. In our 20s, should we start as soon as we get a job when we're, or as soon as we get an income, should we start saving for that pension? Yes. Uh, so I have pensions and I have investments. I have okay. Um, so because generally the stock market can get you a higher return. In pensions, they say that it's about 5% on average. Um because it's just more generalized in the stock market, you can be a bit more aggressive. So my returns have been this year, even with no, last year, sorry, with coronavirus, they were still around like 15 to 20% returns. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely as soon as you get an income, because you'll want to be putting the money in regularly, it's better than it's better to invest every month than to invest like a lump sum once a year or something because of the way that compound interest works little and often is or, or a lot and often is is the best way to go so yeah as soon as you get an income I would say to do it but there are some platforms where you have a minimum amount like I know Vanguard I think it's a hundred dollars would be the minimum per month to do so I think it's you have to look at the platforms and see what their minimum is as well 
Right. I to be okay. com- yeah, to be to be completely honest with you, the moment we started talking about interest and investing money, my mind just was like went blank to be completely transparent because when I when I hear <laughs> like, okay. no, not not to do anything with you, just when I hear I feel like I get flashbacks from my elementary school, high school math days when I hear like percentage and anything, I feel like I just get transported back to not understanding. So just to go into that a little bit further for maybe people who had that experience just now and I did um like what like investing like at the bare bones can you just like give me just a very bare bone like a very definition or a bare bone principle of what like what it's all about yeah so investing in general is where you put money into something and you expect to get some money back so with that there's obviously some risk involved because if I came to you and I said, will you invest some money in my company, the money Fox? And I'll, if I make some money, I'll give you some back. Um, that is, there's some risk involved because you don't know if my business is going to go under, you don't know how much I can give you. You don't know what my profit's going to be. You can kind of figure it out based on numbers I give you and stuff, but there's still some risk involved. Now, if you went to another company like, Google, like a massive company, for example, and they said, oh, we can give, we can probably give you much more of a return, but it's going to be a bit more risky. You know, you'd be like, okay, well, am I going to go with them to get some more money back or am I going to go with her to get, so it's basically like that. So in terms of the interest that you earn, if you had, um, if you put in a hundred dollars, for example, and they said, we're going to give you 10% of that, which is 10, isn't it? My maths is so bad. I'm not well, even joking. We'll Let's say it's $10. I hope, it's, I hope it is and I'm not embarrassed myself. Let's say you put in $100 and they say, oh, you, you're probably going to get 10%. And then the 10% would be $10. You would get $10 back for that money you've put in there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? And then, yes. <laughs> I, yes, okay, I good. get it. Um. And on that, so you were saying that you could do, you can invest into those monthly. Is it better to invest monthly than having a lump sum? Yes. So when it comes to the stock market, you've probably seen all the graphs and things where it goes up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Up and down. You don't, if you invest, if you put the money in when it's on the down, you could, um, you could lose a lot more money. So basically you want to ride the wave and the best way to do that is to stay in there for the wave. So, um, if you so basically, if you put in the lump sum, you could be putting it in at the wrong moment. But if you're just in there and you're doing it every month, you'll ride out all the ups and downs, and it'll come out to be a good average amount. So you won't be getting the the minimum; you'll be getting like the average. So the more often you do it, the better. So monthly is the best way to do it. Okay, that makes sense. And then let me know if it doesn't. Absolutely. And then speaking on that monthly input into the the pot, is it a consistent amount as well, or can it vary? Like it can vary. You can put in you can put in whatever you want. But like I said, some platforms will say you have a minimum amount that you have to put in. So like I know with Vanguard, it's a hundred dollars a month. So then if you only had a hundred dollars each month, you could set up to go in automatically. But if you wanted to change it every now and then, then you could. But it does. It just depends on who you invest with. And when it comes to choosing who to invest with, 
just I would just do a Google search, like literally on the best investment platform and have a look and have a look at the fees because they all have fees, but the higher the fees are, obviously, the less money you will earn. So you want to make sure that you're going somewhere that doesn't have loads of fees here and there. Definitely, especially as a big, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. And I was going to ask you, there are people out there who can help you with investing into stocks, right? Can you hire somebody or do you do it yourself? What's the best practice? There are different ways you can do it. So you can get someone to do it for you, but that will be a lot of fees. Um, I we don't want that. <laughs> no. So I do it myself in that. So I think a lot of people think investing is picking individual stocks. Like I'm going to go pick Apple. I'm going to pick that's that is investing, but that's not the kind of investing that I do or that I would recommend because the risk there is so much higher. Because like I said, we want to ride any wave and that happens with our investments as well. So if I put all of my money into Apple, I'm banking 100% on Apple. So if something goes wrong, I've lost all of that money. I don't think that will happen with Apple. <laughs> but um, there are things to so the way that I invest. There are different groups. This is where it might get confusing. So please let me know if it, if it is. There are different groups of investments you can get. So like I said, if you put all your money into one pot, that could go extremely wrong. So the best thing, therefore, like we said, is to spread it out. So there are different investments you can do. So, for example, um, have you heard of the S&P 500? No, no. Oh, I thought you would have. <laughs> I thought you would have. Sorry. So like the S&P 500 is the top um, companies in America. 500. Top 500 companies in America that are doing well. So Apple was probably in there. So because it's spread across 500, if one goes down, they'll just replace it with another one that's doing well. Right. So you're riding the wave again as well. And when you invest in that, you just say, oh, I'm going to invest in the S&P 500. There's my money. And then and then the platform like Vanguard, for example, will do all the work for you in, in picking the companies and moving them around, making sure you get your best return. So they can say, if you invest in this, you'll probably get an average of this percent return based on how well it's been doing. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. You're- the more risk you put in, the more you can get out, but that's risky. You could lose a lot more. Mm-hmm. So when you're younger, you can take more risk because if you're going to be in the stock market for your whole life, you can take a lot of risk as opposed to say you were about to retire you probably want to take a lot less risk because you'll probably be wanting to use that money. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to investing, I think it's better to have a long-term goal. So I invest for my retirement. That is what mine is for. I'm not taking it out. I could if I want to, but I'm going to get so much better returns because I'm leaving it in there for like a really, really long time. A lot of people see things like um, the stock market and stuff online and think that they're going to make tons and tons of money but when they do all the research the best returns that you get are generally just to invest little and often for a long time in a good fund it doesn't have to be super complicated and you don't need to change it Sam do you have any more investment questions no I think we kind of got the basic lowdown on kind of that we can do it. That was a great start. And then the little principles of how to make it happen. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, it definitely opened my eyes. It makes me want to continue learning about the investing world. How about you, Vicky? Yeah, I don't, 
I would just, I just want to say, don't make it super complicated for yourself. I know it sounds really confusing. You're like, what, what do I pick? Where do I go? Just like I said, search for best investment platforms and then just go through their portfolios. And you can probably speak to them if you want to, um, but or just get a financial advisor and say what you think would be would, would be good and then just go for it. Amazing. Amazing. How about you, Vicky B? Do you have any final yeah. thoughts? No, I... I think I learned so much. I feel like I had so many ideas already made in my mind about how everything works that you just like squash. So I'm glad that I learned something today and I'm sure a lot of people did too. Um, I know I just wanted to ask you because I know you have budget planners on your website. So where can people find you so they can start budgeting and saving money? So my website is themoneyfox.com. And my Instagram is the dot money fox. And yeah, I, my budget planners, people kept asking me to make them. And I was like, well, anyone actually want them? Um, because I had my own budgeting method that I use. And yeah, they've been really popular. And it's been really nice to see that it's actually, they're actually really helpful. And um, people are saying that it's just changed, changed so much for them. But I would say, you can just use a pen and paper or whatever works best for you. Just use a scrap bit of paper or notebook. But I think with things like this, it can be helpful to have it all laid out for you. Um, that's what the one I use and that's what I have been successful with. And I try to make them really pretty as well. <laughs> I think what one lesson like we all learned today is that like it's never too late to start budgeting and you can start start now and it makes your life a whole lot easier and it's not as complicated as it it may seem yeah and I think a lot of us feel guilty because we don't know how to do it or maybe a lot of people say oh my gosh I can't believe I'm 40 and I've never budgeted before and I'm like well why would you if no one ever showed you how to do it or told you that you should I think sometimes it's good to just take that leap yourself when you realize that oh I don't know but it's okay that you didn't know because no one ever sat me no one has ever told me about how to budget how to invest what pensions are, what taxes are, any of that, how to start a business. I literally figured it out all by myself. So don't feel bad if you didn't know, but there's so much information out there that you you can find out today how to get started. And lots of people that are happy to help you as well. Amazing. Awesome. Well, we want what a great note to end on. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I want to say thank you for coming on here and teaching all of us all the things we needed to know about finance today. I hope it was helpful. It definitely was. It definitely was. It was. It was.